2: what is up sports fans i'm danny austin i am hosting today the not the live from the 55 podcast which is what i normally uh host and i was about to say i'm hosting the just a game podcast here uh Normally hosted by Rob Kerr. Instead, it's hosted by me, Danny Austin. Thank you so much for joining. I'm super excited for this episode. It is, what, it is Friday, August 25th. Uh, today is the start of the Cusa show by Cirque du Soleil. So we are incredibly fortunate to have Chocolate. Um in for the first sort of 20, 25 minutes here to kind of talk about that show, talk about his career, talk about how exactly you become a performer and an athlete for Cirque du Soleil. Um, this is something I'm super grateful for this opportunity. This is not an opportunity that I get very often. So uh, excited for that. And then afterwards, we're going to have Julian McKenzie popping by. We're going to talk about the summer in sports, Canada beating France this morning in basketball, the flame season coming up, all things sports in general. But uh, we're gonna start, start with some start to Soleil talk. I'm excited about this, so um, we're not gonna waste any time because I've got my guests sitting right here, and uh, our guests are brought to you by Ski Cellar Snowboard at skisellersnowboard.com. They've been here since 1946 in Calgary, that is 76 years. That is wild. They've got three locations they're opening up August 29th, uh, McLeod Trail by Chinook Center, 17th Avenue Southwest, just off 14th Street, and Bow Ridge. Road northwest by the McDonald's at Windsport, pretty much. Um, across the street from Winsport, not at Winsport. Uh, their Labor Day sale starts. It goes from August 29th to September 4th. Make sure you check out Ski Seller Snowboard. Uh, but let's get to our guest. Here we go. Excited for this one. Man, thank you so much for joining.
0: How thank are you, you today? Thanks Welcome to invitation. Calgary. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, you've been here for a couple days. Yeah. It has been busy for you preparing for the show. Yes, exactly. Preparing, starting preparing, training, and for the premiere tomorrow. Tomorrow. So, okay. Or the day after. <laughs> the day after.
2: I should know that. Alex, want to help me out there? First show is tonight. First show is tonight. Um, so, yes, yeah, super excited. Um. Can I just ask, just straight up, how did you get into, into Cirque du And How did you build this skill? What uh, was the starting point?
0: In Cirque... In not Cirque du Soleil, but in circus, cause it starts from sports. I did sport gymnastics since age of six until 13. So then after, uh, from 12 to 13, I was also training circus, tier board act at the same time. And my very first contract was. Las Vegas, Nevada. Okay. Back in two thousand three. Yeah. So but it starts everything from sports, from gymnastics. Yeah. Um
2: I assume that what you learned sort of as an athlete, as a young athlete, is still incredibly important to what your your day-to-day job is right now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um how how what was that transition from competitive sport into into sort of circus performance? What were the big differences that you had to sort
0: of learn? Ah, oh, the main big difference would be audience mm-hmm. every day in front of audience. So like in sports, you'd be preparing yourself for the competition once every three months. Okay. Here you have to go through that almost on daily basis. So you have the same uh, sense, like you're going, you're preparing to be ready every day on daily basis, not just once every two, three months, you know? So the audience also in front of the big audience, 3,000, mm-hmm. It's nervous. You have to be ready yeah. all the time. Yeah.
2: What is your routine like? Is it you must? I mean, I know that obviously preparing for the show alone keeps you fit, but that's crazy. Every single night in front of an audience, doing what what you do. What what do you do to just sort of make sure your body's ready? Because that's
0: that's hard. Yeah, we we do obviously we hit the gym on a daily basis once or twice a week we have pilates and all of that then training the main act two or three times a week on okay. stage and off stage so basically every day we have trainings and but the main specific for the Act for the tier board that I'm special at yeah. the speciality is two three times a week. Well, when you when you talk about the teeter board,
2: describe it for people who might not.
0: Teeter board is like a seesaw board. Yeah. In kindergarten you'd have one or in uh, playgrounds, but it's a huge one. It's a big. It's made out of fiberglass poles that the athletes using for the jumping. The athletes. Um, Yep. So we use them, I think around nine, nine to 12 together. So they're very flexible and we have a tower that is for the pushers. There is two guys of 100 kilos each okay. and pushing from the other side, from the tower. towers tower is about three meters high. So they pushing, jumping from there on the pad and on the other side, we stand flyers. And we go in the air about 40 feet you talk about it like very natural that's that sounds so crazy to me uh do you remember the first time you did it yeah <laughs> I, I do remember and i will never forget because that's scary yeah. it is scary yeah. <laughs> yeah like some people are like you have to manage to stay at least on the board first time when they will when you'll give a try first time mm-hmm. to jump because some people are just getting scared of the all the like pressure is there yeah they're just jumping off you know but Mm -hmm. it's just like you have to fight with yourself
2: yeah at this point does it i mean i assume even though you've been doing it for many many years it's you still have to take it seriously like it's got to be perfect
0: concentration basically like on daily basis every show i'm nervous all the time still all the time yes and it's been 20 years i'm still nervous yeah have you been, have you gotten hurt? I don't want to get, you know, uh, too focused on that, <laughs> but. I mean, I did quite well in the last 20 years. I had two main injury. One was, I mean, if it's okay to speak about, yeah? Yeah, it's okay by me. <laughs> I had a broken femur. Oh, ju- just a broken doing- <laughs> femur, yeah. <laughs> Jumping <laughs> on the double steel, stilts. is. But um, you m- do this on stilts? I was doing before. Okay. And one, yeah, the injury I got was on double seals. My, I broke my femur, and uh, last one was my thumb, okay. broken ligament from spotting spotting people. So that was the only two main big injuries I would yeah. consider. only the two. But that's yeah. in 20 years. So it's amazing. I would break
2: everything if I did it once. <laughs> so <laughs> that's amazing. Um, when you're out there, like I assume, you know, we we you are obviously gymnastics is a very individual sport, but when mm-hmm. you're doing, you're relying on everyone else who is out there to keep you safe as well as
0: you keep them safe. How much is it a team? That's yeah, that's a big question. The teamwork you have to trust each and everyone in the act. We're about eighteen or twenty people in this in this act, so trusting it's important like because we all answer for each part of the job of course i do my job there and the other ones doing their job like pushers they're doing their job catcher doing their job as a flyer i'm doing my job and i have to trust each and everyone yeah because otherwise you just can't you will make it
2: and that trust i assume is built both on the stage and off the stage right yeah I mean, well people
0: are professionals they're yeah. coming here to do their job And that's part of their life also.
2: Yeah. But I mean, I was reading, like, I think at least in Houston, I mean, there are performers and technicians and people from 54 countries all, all around the world.
0: That's a big team. Yeah. A whole big team like technicians. I don't know how many about yeah. 28, 30 technicians and about 50 artists. are. Yes. So all together we pull an amazing show.
2: Yeah it it must be very sort of enriching like a, a amazing to just be working with people from the best the best in the world from all yes, over the world exactly. on a daily basis eh?
0: the technicians athletes riggers everyone are one of the best yeah in one group is there another part of the show that you look at i mean you do
2: something so challenging and that to me is so terrifying is there another part of the act that you
0: watch and say no nah, i would never I would never do that uh there are many acts that I would try I would try them but there is nothing like I would say ah no like never no no no. which one would you want to try the most um actually I'm working on building my own act okay which is aerial straps okay it takes (laughs) a lot of endurance and power strength and yeah just so, aerial straps, what is that? Aerial straps? Yeah. Uh, it's straps mm-hmm. on swivels attached to a cable. Cable goes to a winch. So, <laughs> the winch goes about two meters per second. Yeah. So, just flying up in the air, up and down and doing tricks, strengthening tricks, like yeah. um, male rings in gymnastics, mm-hmm. artistic gymnastics. Yeah. And that's just something that you see? That and, is and... something that I want to do. it. But okay yeah have you always wanted to to do it just uh no but i not always but it's there is moments when it's you think it's about time to change something of course so yeah that is the thing just like i see myself after 20 years of doing board to try myself in something else something different to challenge yourself on yeah some exactly level.
2: yeah that's amazing that the board would not be enough of a challenge, but I understand it's... It's been a while.
0: It's been a while. It's 20 years. Yeah.
2: That's amazing. So what does developing that new routine or that new act, what does that look like? Challenge. It's just
0: challenging yourself.
2: And, but I mean, do you have, can you, because you're with Cirque,
0: because you're touring, you're able to sort of use their facilities yeah, yeah exactly time. yeah uh we have two tents one is for performing where the stage is the main mm-hmm. and we have artistic tent where we practice warm-up we do our conditioning strengthening and everything our warm-ups all everything there right on. before the show and you've been doing Kuza this this show for, for quite some time since 2009 i've joined service in 2009 yeah. and till today wow um was it How was Cirque du Soleil different from what you had been doing? I know you
2: were in Las Vegas. You were, Uh,
0: I would consider this one of the best company on the market because I've tried different other Mm -hmm. circuses, different companies where it's a big challenge in some of them. Like one, as an example, one of them we did almost, I would say about a hundred cities a year we did so we was traveling every two three days one two three days that was hard yes yeah, yeah whereas
2: with cirque i mean with I know you, cirque, you've been in houston you've been do, in toronto denver vancouver Next, yeah but we, we do travel
0: we do travel but it's we can stop for a month and a half two months so you have this feeling of living there you know yeah. when some circus you don't you just pack and go pack and go yeah, I wouldn't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this company, yeah, they take care of the artists, of the performers, of all the workers in general. Yeah. I was reading that apparently the food you guys get is amazing. We do have our kitchen. Yeah, yeah. I heard it's amazing. And it's amazing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's one of the main like nutri- nutrients we get from our own chips, yeah. our kitchen, because it's traveling with us that's amazing and they know what you like they know what you yes they know our requests uh once in a while we'll do like who wants what for example and they changing the food um let's say today was Chinese tomorrow will be maybe Russian and the other other days will be Japanese you never know you never get bored yeah that's always amazing um when you talk about having been with
2: the show since sort of 2009, I know the show itself has changed. There have been...
0: Um... The show changed, but not a lot. But it does have changes. Like there was cuts of the acts, maybe shortening a bit in time to fit the perfect timing of two hours and 40 minutes. Because mm-hmm. before was way longer than that, around three hours okay. with intermission. So... But that was the main, maybe couple acts was changed. Yeah. But in general, the concept is the same. Okay. Nothing changed in this. But the performers, you were saying. Performers, changed. yes, performers, okay. a lot. 90% of the cast changed since I arrived. Wow. What is that like bringing someone new into the cast? Um, first of all, it's a lot of work okay. to integrate the person, the people, the athletes, because for them it's something new, from especially from sports. When you come from sports into circus or Cirque du Soleil, there is a lot to learn, a lot to reintegrate, integrate in the show, and it takes time. Yeah, it takes time all the time.
2: Yeah. Um, do you watch other sports when you're not? Like, what do you do when you just have downtime on the road? Are
0: you? <laughs> um, I love mixed martial arts to okay. watch. I like UFC watching, yeah. uh, boxing. I do watch once in a while um maybe gymnastics but away from that yeah i do like to watch also different shows different show different acts and do you like do you learn from them and take from exactly other, yeah from the yeah from other acts you can learn a lot i can imagine just watching the videos yeah can you learn from other athletes as well yeah definitely yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: just because mixed martial arts and boxing you know that's obviously you know, it's, it's head to head competition, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I assuming that, that the training, mm-hmm. the preparation, the nutrition, all of that. With
0: the artists here, we get along, like we can catch up with artists, with different artists from around the world. So mm-hmm. no matter where we are, if we met in one city, we'll definitely do like, um, I don't know, a class together or something. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Is there an athlete out there or a
0: performer who you just think is on another level from anyone else? Uh, there are plenty <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there are plenty like it's hard to tell only one but there are plenty of artists that they're just amazing That's at a, what they do that is awesome Um, and then for
2: you I mean there are a bunch of Calgarians watching this why Why do you think that they would love
0: would they, they should come out the performance over the next couple of weeks well uh, our show it's a special one in general certainly as a company it's amazing mm-hmm. so uh, there are for a very long time on the market, and they've been doing an amazing job at what they are good at. You know, so and Kusa, it's one of the shows that it's based on performers, when other shows are based on technology, stage spinning, lights, and all of that. Mm-hmm. But here's only artists, so our show was built on a traditional show like a traditional circus show only artists and acts
2: yeah i was reading that. and it they're really... strong acts they are yeah okay definitely. that's amazing um well all right man well thank you so much for stopping by it is, it is sort of 120 and uh i feel like i could ask you a million more questions just because you live it's thank an amazing you. life thank it's you thank you for the invitation so, yes. thank you
0: for inviting me thank you so much i appreciate
2: all right um well, there you go. That was Iron Chocolate from Cirque du Soleil, Kuza. Uh, it it starts its run today. Um, we've got that one right. That was sort of one of the important um, pieces that you know I should have been a hundred percent on, but maybe we'll maybe need a little bit of a reminder for my friend Alex. It goes to October eighth. Um, Alex, if you just want to continue feeding me information in my ear here, we uh, can. CirqueSoleil dot com slash Kuza. CirqueSoleil dot com slash um, yeah, check it out. I am going to be going on Wednesday uh, along with my next guest, uh, Julian McKenzie, who isn't here quite yet, um, but is going to be here. And yeah, that was amazing. That was what a rare opportunity they got to speak to someone who has sort of such a, a unique job and um, an incredible athlete. Bye, guys. Take care. Thank you again. Um, so yeah, so that was, that was awesome, guys. Make sure you check it out. Um, yeah. So here we are, guys. It is Friday, October 20th, August, not October 25th. Um, this is, uh, again, that was very cool. Thank you to them. Um, we are in one of those rare moments. It really, really feels like this is the calm before the storm a little bit uh, in Calgary sports. Uh, obviously, we're a couple of weeks removed from the surge, sort of finishing their season. Calvary still going. The Stampeders are playing tonight. Um, against the Toronto Argonauts. I believe that game goes 5.30 local time. Stampeders have been struggling. Uh, that's what I talk about on my other podcast, though, the Live from the 55 podcast. And we're not going to go too deep into the Stampeders, um, although I do have to vamp here and wait for Julian to arrive. So... um yeah big game for the stamps tonight and then you know i have my my list of dates in front of me in terms of the flames i you know i saw that the hitmen posted how many you know they're a month away from getting going uh flames their golf tournament their annual golf tournament that's sort of for me marks the the beginning of of training camp in the season even if it's not really the start of training camp uh that is september 13th rookies are reporting that same day rookies head to penticton on the 20th main camp medical is the 20th and then you know, the first on and ice sessions on ice sessions are September 21st. So, um, you know, that's less than a month away. And that's a lot of what we are going to talk to Julian McKenzie about. Because I think that if you went back to May and, and listened to Craig Conroy's press conference, I think a lot of us expected a lot more movement. And it hasn't really happened. But we're now sort of settling into that. And I think that the natural thing to do uh, as a sports fan, as a sports reporter, uh, is really just, you know, anyone who follows sports is you begin to sort of adjust expectations. You begin to adjust what you expect the Flames or, or or your team to look like. And right now, you know, I when Conroy said all those months ago that, you know, the team didn't want to go into the season with their seven UFAs for next season, that, that just couldn't happen. Uh, the guys who are going to be UFAs, unrestricted free agents, in 2024 you know they couldn't have seven of those guys and now here we are and they've got six right so uh that was never my understanding of sort of what i thought the team's goals were but also i respect that conroy didn't just sort of you know pull a move for nothing so it's interesting it's just this is not where i thought we were necessarily going to be as august turned into september and we really began to lock in for the rest of the season i know that that's something that the guys on the barn burner have talked a lot about but it's also something that i want to talk to julian about because you know we're both going to be there each and every day, starting uh, in less than a month, and you know, what what do we expect from these flames? Uh, you know, we saw Rasmus Anderson. The Nation Network has sort of a, a summary of of his interview with, I believe it was Elliot Friedman from earlier in this week, and he talked about look, You know, we we were we thought we were better than than our record last year. There were obviously a lot of, um, you know, there were a lot of overtime losses. All that, if, if you expect certain of the players, who I think. Regressed a little bit last year. If you expect them to sort of return to the main, what is the potential for this team? Um, you know, there are a lot of people like me who are advocating for a full rebuild. I think we're clearly not getting that. And you know, you can either sit here and, and belabor that point and say what are the flames doing, or, or you can sort of accept it and begin to prognosticate based on where uh, what the team is and, and who they have. And the reality is, I'm not sure that they're going to be nearly as bad as some of the doom and gloom has suggested. But, yeah, here we are. And then as for the Stamps, um, you know, the team I cover, might as well give you a little live from the 55 preview here. Uh, please check out my podcast, like and subscribe on Apple and Spotify. Um, yeah, they are 3-7 and seven heading into this game tonight against the Toronto Argonauts. Uh, it has not been the season that anyone was expecting from these Stampeders. The offense has not really clicked. I um, actually think the defense has been pretty good, and – Eight of their ten games uh, had a bad one a couple weeks ago against the BC Lions. But other than that, they've been a been a pretty pretty decent defense. Special teams had some struggles early in the year. We're really just waiting on the offense to to get going. Uh, fortunate thing is, despite the Toronto Argonauts being the best team in the league, uh, the Stampeders typically play them very well. So who knows if they leave if they leave this this crazy month of August at four and seven? Um, is that Julian? got perfect we're just having a little bit confusion with the doors here um yeah if they leave four and seven with two games against edmonton over labor day i think we're we're very happy julian oh god can't wait to get him on camera this man he promised me i would get to see him in this in this baseball jersey he's wearing, and he does look good um yeah if you just want to come around here perfect um so yeah again um very excited uh to have Julian McKenzie here from the athletic was very excited to have Ian Chakla. Thank you to him. Uh, again, check out Kuza Cirque du Soleil, their show running, uh, starting tonight until early October. So, uh, we're going to get, to to Julian right away. This is going to be a very casual conversation. Uh, I try to do little to no prep work uh, for any of my guests who happen to be my friends. Um, but I've literally, like, we have not had any conversation with what we're going to talk about. So we're just going to kind of check in, uh, talk some flames, talk about the summer. Um, I'm hoping that he at least paid attention to the Canada France game uh this morning because i do want to talk a little bit about how canada is definitely going to win olympic gold in 2024 uh <laughs> all right let's uh if we want to pull up julian here that would be awesome julian buddy how you doing
1: i'm doing good man um,
2: i'm doing all right set up for me just a little bit so fans can see your oakland athletics yeah jersey. there you go there um, we go dude i love that jersey it's one of my favorite jerseys i've said this i think to you but i think that green yellow and white is still my favorite color combination for a sports team?
1: It's an incredible color combination. And I got to go to Oakland Coliseum last week and uh, I saw these jerseys for sale and I was like, you know what? I got to get one before they like, they might, well, they're going to move to Vegas. Right. They, they, so, like, it sure seems that way. It sure seems that way. A lot of people are hoping it doesn't happen, but it, it really looks like it is. Yeah. Uh, I even joined in on a uh, sell the team chant during the game I was at.
2: Now, I heard rumors that you didn't join in.
1: Uh, Who who said that?
2: I heard a rumor, and I'm not going to say you told me that you may have started this. (laughs) uh, Uh,
1: It was very close. I I I said at the same time as one other person, and then more people joined in. So I guess that counts. Yes. Uh, So fine. Maybe I did more than join. (laughs) Maybe I did a little bit more than join. But uh, no, it was really cool to be at that park, and I mean it was cool to be at that park uh yeah tell me about this like sorry yes. i don't
2: not to interrupt but like you it was actually one of the things i wanted to start with yeah, you yeah. keeping the casual you kind of just went on a, a killer uh vacation that i'm very jealous of but Thank you. tell me tell me about it tell me the games you went to the yes. whole thing
1: so this trip i went on i spent a couple days in washington dc up on the east coast uh and then i spent a couple days after that in san francisco so the purpose of the trip was to visit some old college buddies we were supposed to i was supposed to visit this one friend in dc who had gone to Syracuse with, and we were both supposed to visit Joe Biden.
2: What? Joe Biden? Uh, (laughs) uh,
0: Am I
1: allowed to say I'm (laughs) cool with Sleepy Joe, fellow Syracuse alum? Anyway, uh, this friend of mine, uh, we were supposed to both visit this other friend in San Francisco together, uh, but they had some work kind of catch up to them, and they weren't able to make that flight. So ultimately, I just ended up doing this trip by myself uh, to visit this friend in San Francisco, Uh, who was in Syracuse I want to say a year after I was there but we've still kind of kept in touch over these last few years and while I was uh, in both cities I tried to take in as much baseball as I could so I went to Nationals Park uh, watched the Nats and the A's funny enough and uh, the A's were down like 7-2 bottom of the ninth Nats came back one with a walk off that was fun that was a really good time then it's nothing like ninth oh, yeah. inning
2: baseball when it's
1: oh Israeli, my man. god. That whole time we were there, like we saw people leaving and they were leaving early. And and my friend and I were just like, you know what, we're just gonna stay, we just want to see what happens. And we even moved up from the seats that we were at. We're like not too far from where the dugout is for the Nats, and then we're just getting like prime seats for this comeback. And and the scrappy nats, they found a way to do it again against the worst team in baseball, but still, like they found a way to do it. I think the day before they had won on a walk-off home run. And then, like, Jeter Downs hits this, like, RBI single up the middle and wins them this game. After they were down 7-2, they win 8-7. So that was game one. And then when I went to San Francisco, uh, I saw the Giants and the Rays play against each other. I saw this really weird inside-the-park home run that went off uh, one wall, then bounced off another wall twice, and then landed back into play. And the Rays scored on on an inside-the-park home run off that. That was fun. And then I did a day trip out to Oakland. Got to go to the Coliseum. A's and the Orioles. The Orioles looking really good. Got to watch uh, Gunner and uh, Rutschman for the first time. That was they look really good. That's a team that's going to be good for a long time. They have the hitting. If They get better, slightly better pitching. I think they'll be even better. Like it's the O's look scary. I, I can imagine Jays fans are not happy about that.
2: Oh, it stinks.
1: <laughs> uh. <laughs> <That's> it. <laughs> Rank the three ballparks. Oracle Park number one. I love the. I love the design of it. I love the fact you're able to walk around the walk on the concourse and you see the big, the massive glove, the Coca Cola bottle. You look out into the water. McCovey, McCovey Cove is there. Uh, they have a model cable car on the concourse as well. You can pose by it. It's really fun. I got to ride one of those too. It was really fun. Uh, but yeah, easily number one. Number two, I like Nationals Park. I like what they've done with the the stadium. I love the open-air concept. You walk in, and basically, wherever you're walking around, you can see the game, of course, before you get to your seat. The district that's not too far from it as well, where you're able to go all these different bars and shops and stuff, is really fun, too. Uh, Got to admit, a little jealous as a as a Expos fan, just seeing a team in, in Washington – enjoy that yeah, uh but yeah. stay it was it was fun it was really cool to be at that park
2: do you expect the expos back in montreal no
1: i not for Ever? the foreseeable future okay. i think after the last efforts uh where they remember they were trying to do a joint thing with tampa uh after that died out i i like to th- as much as I would like to be optimistic one day, maybe one day it could happen again, at least not for the foreseeable future. I think a lot of those people in Montreal who were behind that Montreal baseball project, you're thinking of like the Stephen Bronfman's of the world and everyone else who were associated with that. I think just, you know, there's a lot. I think there's a lot of fatigue after that. I, I think they they tried their best to do something. Like, I remember that following in that press conference when Bronfman was talking after that. That was a guy who was exasperated like he he had tried to make this work for quite some time and then to be told no like that guy was very emotional that press conference i can't see him or anyone getting involved with that for a while at the end of the day montreal needs a a proper ballpark in the downtown area olympic stadium is is hasn't aged very well and i know there's the metro there you can get to it but just hasn't aged well in terms of a stadium and it's not really a viable place to for a long-term sporting event really if you really think about it so there's a lot that needs to go into that
2: what i will say on that and like i don't really get to speak on it as a guy who was born and raised in toronto has lived his most almost my entire adult life in calgary i'm not i'm not a montrealer but like with the way that major league baseball in my opinion screwed the city of montreal for the sort of what decade before they stole the team i just like montreal like make them beg you (laughs) <laughs> Don't you beg them. Make major league baseball. That's a great market that would be absolutely support a team. Yeah, they need the stadium, but like Montreal, like Montreal's cooler than having to come on, on you know bended knee yeah. to Major League Baseball. Don't I, let them off that easy. That's fair.
1: That's a that's a fair that's a good way of putting it. I, I do think though that sometimes fans there it could be a little fair weather. they like to support a winner but they also like to support a team with stars with with people that are going to bring them out i think of like the mls team in town where there's some guys that go out there and support them but it's nothing like when like dj drugba was there mm-hmm. so i think in, in what's fun now about baseball there was a time i think when people were thinking okay like the stars are not recognizable and and maybe the the pastime has gone down it still has it's behind football but like i don't know like i feels as if they're slowly starting to become like a they're start we're starting to get a resurgence especially with the pitch clock yeah. i don't know it's starting to become a little bit more appealing than it was in, in oh. years past so maybe if that wave just continues to go on an upward descent maybe you know in a decade or or two montreal could kind of position itself back in for for a team like that but right now i i think it's just i don't think the fit's there right now
2: i tell the story but like i lived right off the subway like just outside of downtown so it yeah. was very easy like i mean we weekend games i could go to jay's games whenever i wanted as oh, a yeah. kid in particular as a team but uh, i was only allowed to go sit during the week in high school if doc halliday was pitching oh because wow. he pitched so fast because he just he never shook off the catcher he just you did got tell the me real- this story. Yeah. yes um but my dad went to a game and it's interesting like you know you talk about some of these projects working or not my dad you know he's lawyered doesn't often go to games during the week but went with a buddy of his and he was just like because of the pitch clock he can now go to games during the week he, he absolutely loved it Dude. um
1: like you go there, like all three of those games taking in that pitch clock. I can't, I don't think those games lasted longer than three hours.
2: Sports shouldn't last longer than three hours no. unless they're cricket.
1: No, like I, I get it. Like it's, it's, it's fun. It's cool. Like things just move. Like you, you look up at the clock one minute, you look down, and then you look up. It's like, oh, it's only really been like 15, 30 minutes, and you're in the third inning.
2: Oh, it's so good. It's amazing. Playoff hockey when you get those games that go to quadruple or overtime. Oh my God. It's always like fun when you're not in the market, but like, I watch and I just have nightmares about being there and it being like one in the morning. I got work the next morning. I just want to go home (laughs) and then either team will score and they're both exhausted playing boring. Like, like it's just my worst nightmare. I want in and out of any sporting event in three hours. It's why, to be honest, I think it is key to soccer. Sort of global dominance is the fact that, you know, it's 90 minutes plus a little bit of added time.
1: Um, What about the fact there's no goals? It's zero zero. The players dive
2: all the time. Do you remember when Argentina scored three goals in the World Cup final? And then yeah. Do you remember <laughs> when we watched the World Cup
1: final? Remember, like the World Cup. Remember when, as 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 controversial as the backdrop of it was, it ultimately led to what I think, and I think you'd agree with you on this: the greatest World Cup men's World Cup final we've ever seen, where the two best players on the field were. Dominant and stood up and played very well, and
2: ultimately gave us a an incredible conclusion. I have put no thought into this. I think it's the greatest championship game ever played. um I now, think we
1: can we can we can debate this. There maybe because
2: be... it's right up there. I mean,
1: Messi Mbappe. You go to penalties. Fine, it fine, like those two
2: players scoring penalties. It doesn't necessarily come down to them, but like that's an
1: incredible
2: game. Yeah, I will argue that the Seattle New England Super Bowl where uh, New England won would be up there. I mean. The problem is, I hate the Pats. Did you see um, the Pete
1: Carroll interview he had with uh, Richard Sherman, where they were talking about the the goal the goal line play? Like, no. Pete Carroll was like, he was openly admit, like, yeah, yeah, you guys like totally hated me after that. And and he he was there's there's an excerpt of it that's like been going around on the internet where you see him talk to Richard and Richard, you could see the pain in his face. I don't know if you remember from that game, like there's that shot of him on the sideline where he sees the play and you see him yell no! <laughs> like, no, like he, he's not he's about to cry, like that i remember watching that game at a bar back in montreal and seeing that play and just yelling out no at the top of my lungs i couldn't i, I couldn't believe it I, I, imagine if i was a seahawks fan i'd have nightmares of that but yeah. i but to your point like yes i think if you think of greatest championship games of all time that has to be there Game 7 of the Cubs uh, versus Cleveland, I want to say 2016, mm-hmm. that is, I think, one of the greatest Game 7s ever played. That yeah. that series, I mean, was really good, but that Game 7, Rajay Davis extending things to go to extras and the Cubs winning for the first time in God knows how long, that has to be there.
2: Absolutely. I will say that still, I mean, the most emotion I have felt as a Calgary sports reporter uh like game seven against dallas two years ago i can imagine that must have been no amazing just because there was this like built up pressure of this team can't win a playoff round can't win a playoff round then like they absolutely dominate the stars over seven games and Odinger stands on his head Man. and you're just sitting there being like is this era about to come to an end on some like fluky overtime goal for Dallas when the flames abs- and then the flame like good j- j- Joe of all people scoring was like, and I say this as someone who doesn't have a particular like emotional connection to the flames, right but that like outpouring of a combination of like exaltation with relief was not something I've, you know, I've been at some big games. Yeah. Um, but, and again, like I, the Stampeders lost the 2016 and 17 Grey cup and then one in 18, there was relief there, but it all coming in a, in a split second was like, a very weird cool emotion to experience so just to like you know make it local a little bit i'm not putting it necessarily no, on the level but yeah um i mean were no. there any bigger when the habs went because i know you covered that run when so, they went to the cup final were there any big moments like that
1: absolutely so they had so the first round obviously it goes their way they beat the leafs the second round they sweep the jets now
2: it's kind of funny that series kind I of gets i love lost that the time. montreal guy talking to a guy born and raised in toronto you just like casually like well of course they beat the least like,
1: <laughs> not yeah. a not a big Whoops. deal whatever because yeah. because like there were big moments and well I'll say this I think game I, I wasn't there for every single game of that run but if I could point to specific moments I think game six of that first round series that's when a lot of people were like holy crap like there's there's a chance they could complete this comeback and if memory serves because we were still in COVID times yes and there were little to no people in those games if memory serves game six of that series was the first time all series fans were allowed in the building. So there were a handful of fans who were at the bell center who saw the Asperi cock and Yemi OT goal. So there's that I was in the building for game four of that second round series where uh, they, they sweep uh, the Winnipeg jets. Tyler Toffoli, when it was still a Montreal Canadian makes this play digs, no it's Cole Caulfield who digs the puck out of the corner and then feeds Tyler Toffoli and he wins the series on that but the biggest moment of that playoff run is definitely the Arturi Lekanen overtime winner against the Vegas Golden Knights it sends them to the cup final it's on St. Jean-Baptiste so it's already a national holiday in Quebec and people are already like outside in droves like the curfew's been lifted like everyone Mm -hmm. is losing their minds I was home for that and like I was like holy crap like I had joined the athletic. I think like a couple months earlier. So I'm like, I get to cover a Stanley Cup final. That was one of the most exciting things I could I could ever go through in my first few months uh, with the company. So that that's was amazing. that definitely that moment for for Arturii uh and I'm sure Oilers fans know what it's like uh, to to be on the losing end of an Artery Lekeden goal.
2: My worst. <laughs>
1: but uh, yeah, it was.
2: It's definitely something that's going to stay with me for a long time as a reporter. My worst big sports moment ever Ooh. was uh, I to think about this 2010. This is a pretty like I like this story. Um, I'm gonna be careful with how I tell it on air, okay. but yeah. uh, 2010 like Crosby's golden goal. Yes. Um, I was at a bar in Halifax, also
1: up there for championship
2: games. Incredible game. Um, I was I was at a bar in Halifax. They scored. The girl who I was seeing at the time. It is worth noting that I was about three months out of like the <laughs> most serious relationship I'd ever mm-hmm. had. So this was not the most serious relationship in the world. And they scored. We all went nuts. And she just reached across the bar turned on the tap and just started like filling up her pint glass, like without paying, obviously. And the bouncer just came storming in. And I remember being like, man, <laughs> <laughs> and I, oh. I stood in front of him, just got like oh. thrown on the ground oh. and kicked out of the bar. And it wasn't even for anything I did. Um, Took a few shots there too. It was like not shots, like no. shots. Um, So it was like instantly went from just like complete, this is the greatest moment to like, being thrown on the ground because of something that <laughs> uh, someone else did and being kicked out of the bar. My worst sporting
1: moment. I don't think I've ever gone on camera record of saying this, but
2: I was on. Don't get fired. No, it's not going <laughs> to okay. get me fired.
1: It's just like, I've, I've told this like friends privately. I don't know if I've, yeah, I've never told it on camera, but we're, we're all among friends here. I was on a double date during, what was it? Game six of the, 2019 eastern conference final between the raptors and the bucks okay. so that game with the the Lowry turnaround pass to leonard yep and uh the girl i was seeing at the time uh wanted me to go on this double date with these two friends of hers and we were at this uh burlesque club which was like game of thrones themed and i don't i don't watch game of thrones so the whole time i was just like what am i doing here i should be watching <laughs> the raptors make history and i'm trying not to check my phone for my girl to get upset uh and (laughs) yeah i was that was very painful and then we went to another spot after and like on the tiniest tv possible in this establishment that we were at they're playing this game and like i'm squinting with my eyes to try (laughs) to watch this game and i'm like i don't i this is like the this was terrible this was awful like i was i was genuinely felt i felt like i was dying inside and i remember my my girlfriend at the time was just like, oh, you know, it was a good time. You know, you were you were fine. It was great. It was everything. I'm like, I
2: wanted to watch the game. I know. I, <laughs> I,
1: I, I couldn't believe it. I was so mad. We've we've gotten past
2: that. I deleted like the dating apps from my phone during the Raptors championship. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm not de- dating anybody, letting, anybody this time. I'm getting very fat and. Uh, <laughs> And we're just doing this. Yeah. When uh, I, you know, my buddy Brett, he's actually been on the show with gang, me. Gang. Um, shout out, shout out, to at, fan Brett. I was at Brett's place with with his girlfriend at the time yeah. uh, for Kawhi's shot, <laughs> and I jumped up and immediately fell down. Like I, just, <laughs> I was in socks and just like I fell down so hard. Uh, <laughs> speaking of falling down, here uh, we go. Were you there when I got injured?
1: Yeah, when uh, you uh, were playing, playing slow pitch. Yeah, and then uh you rounded second base i don't know if you told the story on the show
2: i don't think i've told it on this show so
1: basically like you we are on the worst slow pitch team of all time oh my god
2: <laughs> we are so oh bad oh my
1: god um you were all i remember from my vantage point you had made this hit uh you were rounding the bases and i was like okay wow like da might get like a triple off this like you were getting, yeah. you were getting some serious i had the speed. jets on man for a near 40 year old I, I was going yeah. I looked away for a Ricky second. Henderson. I looked away for like a second. And then all I hear is like everyone go like, oh, I'm like, what happened? And I just see. <laughs> the ground, Flat.
2: Fuck belly Flat. flopping in second <laughs> base. I so, so what happened was oh my God. I was the first batter in the first inning. And second base oh, was not man. where it should be. So I was running and I realized I was going to miss second, but instead of either slowing up (coughs) or adjusting, I just decided because I wanted the triple as I kept running, I was just going to like stretch out my right leg at full speed and try to tap the base. Yeah. My body doesn't work with that. No. Flew fell everyone was laughing and i was like just look cool oh, get up no. laugh about it um yeah tore my trapezius have an x-ray scheduled for monday uh that you was six weeks this happened like a month ago and uh six weeks it happened the first monday of stampede good lord You've only, not... you're only getting an x-ray now well i went to sheldon schumer to the urgent care and the doctor said that it was a torn trapezius and so for like three weeks i I was like, ah, oh, whatever. This is what it is. Just see hot water bottles, it. ice. Uh, I'm old. This is gonna take a while. And now it's mostly healed, except there's one spot that oh. really hurts. Uh, so I'm like, ah, that might be a little fracture. I don't know that it's gonna change anything. Maybe I'll walk around with a sling. But um,
1: <laughs> um I couldn't believe that man. Just seeing you like flop. Like the, but, my first thought was, but, crap, he's not gonna get the triple. And then seeing you on the ground, I was like, oh, no I, way. That's a
2: bit. I was, really hurt. Ba- was so embarrassed. Uh, you made a nice catch this week i love it yeah. slow pitch talk with danny and julian I mean, Maybe- it wasn't really that nice of a catch i just was at
1: the wall it was it had some distance I, I stuck the glove out you You were telling me all year to just you know keep the glove up and i yeah. i i i think my progress from slow pitch player at the beginning of the spring to Even, mm-hmm. to the Incredible. end of summer i think it i think there's been change i yeah. think there's been growth I, I have speed along the bases i you put me in the outfield. I know to put the ball in front of me. I, I, I think i I think I've been better than a, a certain other friend of ours that's on the I, show.
2: Dude, you made a great catch. We're not gonna. We're not gonna start calling. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work other friends wow okay. right, low right, you bet. can i'm not i don't um, want to, you know what i'm not gonna do that then i was only doing it as a joke because you've friend. been honestly you guys have both been huge i hit a home run this week but i also i don't know if I should tell. that it
1: was crazy though that, that was mean. the greatest thing we had ever been a part of like <laughs> we still you hit a
2: home run uh
1: logan hit a home Shane run. hit a home run and other words, teammates logan not only does he hit a home run he hits the home run he stares at it for a whole couple seconds and then he looks towards us and he's holding the bat and he's like, all right, like who's gonna take this? Like he he he's basically pimping out this home run celebration, and I didn't realize this until this ha- until that hit happened. But like he didn't have to run the bases because no. like, I know he was hurt, so he was playing hurt. But like he he's like walking towards us like in their in our up to, at the bench, and like he like I I took the bat from him like okay like what's going on? He's like I don't have to run, and I'm like.
2: You don't have to run these bases like which, like he does, but he
1: normally it's, would. It's Absolutely, <laughs> recreational
2: would. be slow pitch and where We haven't won a game in yeah. three months. We won our first game just right we after we won our first game. two games. Yes, our but, first
1: two games. I was like, okay, if this is what I remember those first two wins, thinking, okay, if this is what we're this is what I come to expect, like we're gonna have a fun spring. Like we might not play defense all that well, but like we get runs and, and then, it's then we been, stopped getting it's runs. been downhill. We stopped for getting runs.
2: Um, okay. Before we get on to flames, because we do have to do a little bit of flames talk. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, did you watch any of the basketball game this morning, Canada 95, France? No, I, I was
1: asleep, but uh I saw that uh I think Shea did really well. Uh oh
2: yeah, Dylan Brooks
1: was incredible Brooks on defense. Whole, Dylan Brooks yammed on on Rudy Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert had a terrible game.
2: Rudy uh, Gobert is terrible.
1: Um, it's funny, like Rudy Gobert, there was a point when like he was the best defensive player in the league. And ever since he touched those microphones that week of COVID, his stock has been plummeting ever since. It is crazy that Rudy Gobert
2: started a global p- pandemic.
1: Um, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, if you really think about it, if you really think about it, people did not take the global pandemic seriously until that damn
2: game got canceled. I was, was, like, was in OKC? Ar- I was in Argentina, and I like, oh really? Yeah, and I saw that, and then oh. and then everything got canceled. So like, it legitimately like I was taking it so unseriously i was like i mean we didn't have to take that seriously it was before we realized what was happening yeah but i was like cool i'll go to south america and then rudy gobert did that and then i woke up the next morning and i was like the world is falling apart oh my oh no. god
1: i was at an ahl game when the nba game he was in was getting canceled and like i could not watch that game i was i was up in the press box watching with a few other reporters and we're just following updates seeing what's going to happen and i remember like going to the locker room after the fact and like we're asking people about what's going on. Like, okay, like this NBA game got canceled. We don't know what's going to happen with any other league. And I remember like one HL player was saying, like, man, I hope they don't cancel everything. We need to save our sports. And I'm like, all right, well,
2: do you remember? Bruce sports Ar- did just fine other than the season. Do you
1: remember Bruce Arthur trying to call Rudy Gobert a hero for what he did? Do you remember that? <laughs> no. He went on TSN. He was trying to explain, no shade to, to Bruce Arthur, who's a-, who's a good dude, but he went on TSN and tried to explain that what. Rudy Gobert did, in terms of like, kind of accidentally ended, ending up more or less being a guinea pig for this whole COVID thing, kind of put us all on to realizing that this this disease was serious. And I don't know, like you tried to make this point that like what he did was for the good, but like it didn't
2: really come off well. Not, again, not to throw shade, at Bruce say, Arthur. Rudy Gobert still, wasn't much of a hero this morning. Hell when nah. he was getting smashed, you get destroyed. Yeah, like eight points.
1: Yeah, like four turnovers. Yeah, all these turnovers. He was he sucked.
2: I will say that as someone who like, I think Canada basketball is ready to, if not emerge as the number one team in the world, I, I think we have a very good shot at number two. Um, all that we need to do to qualify for the Olympics is have, be the second best team from the Americas, or it may not even be the, from the Americas, it may be North America, Maybe may be like, um, Man, what I saw today, like, we are, if not the best team at this tournament, we are the second-best team in this tournament. This is a team that doesn't have Andrew Wiggins or Jamal Murray, so you begin to think about what we might look like ben Matron's not in there 2024. Too. Yeah, I'm telling yeah. you. Yep, there's some I, talent. Look, pushing the Americans, like, the Americans obviously have a depth of talent. The question is whether you can construct a, a Canada team that can beat the, the team that they're going to construct. And I honestly think, man, like, France is... Wemmeyama wasn't playing um as far as i know um then no he's not playing this tournament is he? i have no idea um yeah i know he's not playing uh again i was following along on twitter i didn't actually watch the game um i was asleep i slept I it set, until like 11 seven in the morning yeah, yeah i slept um, it i had to go to the bank this morning <laughs> um, <laughs> i did Adulting. that's why i have a i have a colored shirt that i wore to the bank uh oh. in in the next room um but yeah luck. we win 95 65 we are clearly going to be one of the top two teams from um from our region and honestly i think anything less than silver at the olympics next year becomes a bit of a disappointment i wow. me. Um, are, we the, are we at that point i want i want
1: this team to qualify for the olympics this is a team that we're not that far how many years ago we like they they had an opportunity to knock off venezuela and they couldn't even make it to yeah. the olympics like this is this is a federation that that game is- was brutal absolutely but like they've they've been accumulating talent ever since and the fact that they've been able to to get them to commit to playing for team Canada is a huge win in itself we're at a point now where we're like man like this team should have Andrew Wiggins like I remember when I was back in Montreal talking with um, a good friend of mine Dwight Walton who uh, played for team Canada a couple years like decades ago very close with the Barrett family um he, we were having a whole discussion about why isn't ben matron who who who's in indiana who was like a top 10 pick yeah. last summer's draft like why isn't he on this team like that's where we're at with this canadian basketball program and before it was like eh, i don't know if we're gonna get these guys to play now it's like no you need as much talent as you can and the way basketball has enveloped our country like we should be at a point where we should be getting very, more and more competitive year in year out and I, I don't I don't mind the expectations being as high as they are. I don't know if it's realistic for the next Olympics if we make it, but like i I like the fact that the bar continues
2: to be raised when
1: it comes to basketball in this country. It, it, that's what happens when the talent gets better and better
2: and I, I think for me, like particularly uh, I mean the men's and women's basketball program as a contrast 100%. to uh, particularly what's happening with, with, with Soccer Canada, which this is not me putting it on the athletes, but I think that the expectation, you know, for our women's team this year, which obviously crashed out of the World Cup way earlier than any of us wanted to, yeah. and it's like, sorry, with the way that soccer is being administered in this country, with the fact that we don't have professional opportunities for our, our, our women soccer players, like, any fan who is disappointed by the players, like, no, be disappointed by the system. And I think that we're seeing through these three-year commitments that Nick Nurse demanded when he was the head coach of the of the men's basketball program. You're seeing us develop, you're seeing us actually develop chemistry and mm-hmm. these guys want to play with each other. Yep. And like look, SGA and RJ Barrett are legit top 30. I mean I think I think SGA is probably a top 10 player in the NBA right now. Um but like Barrett's on the rise. Jamal Murray is a top 15 to 20 player. What are we missing? Probably a passing big man. But I actually like the way Kelly Olynyk fits into the system when you have shooters all around him. And then Dylan Brooks, who was like so villainized this NBA season, like, yeah, Dylan Brooks seemed like a little bit of a bastard. (laughs) But I I don't like how someone... Dylan Dylan Brooks kind
1: of like eases off on the trash talking just like a little bit he he's fine but, but like, like it's so
2: not canadian that i like having it on the team like, i don't
1: mind i don't mind him doing it it's just when he's going at Le- when he's going to lebron being like man you old i'm like what are you doing yeah don't
2: call lebron old <laughs> don't call lebron um, old
1: yeah. it's a losing proposition i don't mind him talking trash and and showing off that moxie and not just being like oh i'm just gonna be this uh Demure person purse or whatever like no do your thing
2: but let's say it's canada u.s in the in the final of this tournament. You think Ann Edwards isn't talking trash the whole time? Come Someone's on. gotta give it back. To Absolutely. Him. So, yeah. Absolutely. Especially Dylan Brooks. Um I could keep going on this. But um I promise a little bit of flames talk. Man, like I was reading it out earlier. The Flames Golf tournament is September 13th. We are we're getting there. Um Andrew Notriopani had a golf
1: event thing today. On, I think it's Monday, isn't it? Uh, I I thought it was uh I if, it's, it's, <laughs> if it's Monday or I don't know. I, I certainly misread the email. If it's today. I thought it was today. <laughs> um, I'm on vacation, so I was like, eh, I don't yeah, need to do that. I don't know. I know what Wes is covering it. So for us, so such a different contrast from like other cities, where like if any player like Toronto, Montreal was doing something like that, we'd be like, all right, we just gotta go. But like in Calgary, it's kind of like we have to go. Yeah, the, the paper has to be there. The paper um, has to be there. West, I guess in my case, it's a little different.
2: Well, because you, yeah, you you're doing the more analytical or bigger stories exactly all that. yeah that's all um saying. but only one of us has to go west will be there i believe it i, I
1: do believe it's monday um if, if it, it was if it's monday then okay well it is monday it is monday yeah. okay or then i misread the email
2: address. oh yeah the italian the uh, italian open yes um man like it's been such a weird summer because it was so busy and then nothing's happened for like six weeks define oh. busy because well, it feels it feels like for me for I mean, my new man, head coach, coach new gm okay of yes. the top score like up okay, until that, the draft that's fair up because until the week of the draft we it was like oh shit oh shoot there's <laughs> stuff <laughs> shoot there's you're stuff lots going on we're allowed to
1: swear, lots swear on this pod. Yeah. i'm not that i'm gonna do that yeah. but like we're allowed to swear on this, on this on the show
2: i have my own podcast twice a week i've never sworn on this mic, so that was you guys <laughs> no, just I, this I, I
1: completely understand that where you you have to kind of dial it back with that yes. but uh no to your point you're right like like the beginning of like the, the as soon as the season was over, we're figuring out like, okay, what the heck's gonna happen? Tree leaves, Sutter's gone, uh, Tofoli during the draft. But even like the Tofoli part, right? Like it felt like everyone else was getting busy, and you're thinking, okay, well, the Flames have all of these different situations they have to deal with. And then after all of that, the Tyler Toffoli situation is the only one that gets resolved, which is still interesting considering that at least—and you can tell me if I'm wrong—I know you were there at, at exit day. It seemed like he wanted to stay. I think he wanted. He I was think like the one guy. He wanted. I think he wanted something relatively quickly. I don't think he wanted that to wait all that. Like I don't think he wanted something that was going to just go into the summer and people are waiting on it, and whatever. So I can understand why it got to the point that it got to, but Tyler Tafoli, at least appearing to us, it seemed like he wanted to stay. And the fact that that's the only thing that's gotten resolved out of all of that, while every other team's been adding all these players and all these other situations are going on, I I mean, what it's it's what, 2 o'clock now? Almost 2.30 right now? We shouldn't be that long from the Toronto Maple Leafs having some press conference about Austin Matthews signing that contract extension. Like, every other team has found things to do. Teams have been adding players left and right and the calgary flames still have a whole bunch of pending ufas and we don't know what's going to happen with them
2: and like it's weird like I, I think that if we were to go back like i think that earlier in the summer we were all saying well lindholm you got to figure that one out before everything else. 100%. And, you know, I make the joke, and I honestly am not saying this, but I'm like, man, Elias Lindholm sure makes you appreciate Matthew Kachuk just telling you what he wanted right off the bat, right? Uh, and allowing the team to to do its business. Yep. Um. And I actually don't believe that Lin- Elias Lindholm has the right to take as long as he wants to make the decision or to not sign or to, or to do whatever he wants. But but also he's under contract too. I mean, the
1: Flames, tech,
2: in theory, also they don't have to do anything. No, they don't. But – when in his introductory press conference, Craig Conroy said we can't go into the season with seven UFAs. Well, I don't and I, no Johnny Goodrow 2.0. Yes. I did not read that as well. We can go in with six. No, <laughs> like, no. <laughs> like <laughs> that's actually good.
1: Imagine being Craig Conroy and be like, Well, I, I said I wasn't going in with seven.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <Like>, but you're right. <laughs> you did it. Um, no, and I think that like Conroy, it's also if the deal is not there, I actually do fundamentally believe don't, don't make a bad deal just for the sake of doing it. Um, But like the, the nightmare scenario is that this team does sort of outkick its coverage a little bit. And we wind up in February with the trade deadline closing in and they're in third place in the Pacific division. And you feel like you can't trade any of those guys. Yeah, Right. Like, like teams don't, Blow it up in the middle of the year, so like I always felt like there was at least a little bit of a deadline, which was the start of of training camp. Are you expecting movement? Like, I mean, I guess
1: it's a possibility, but I I I still th- I said this on nine sixty, and I'm gonna say it again here. I think if there's one guy who's gonna get moved, I think it's Noah Hannifin. I can see this team continue to take its time with Michael Backlund, considering what he means yeah. to the city. And I also think the window to move on from him probably was earlier in the summer when that career season that he had was a little bit closer in the rearview mirror. Now you're just kind of like, you know what? Keep him around, see how he feels about the team. And I mean, not that we were going to get into that discussion, but we always could. I mean, he's he's very much could be a candidate for that for that
2: seat, right? For the captain seat. Well, did right? did you read Rasmus's entry with Friedman? Or I, I, I
1: I heard the excerpts and stuff, and and I heard that uh, with
2: him saying we treated Backlund as the captain.
1: Yeah, that like that. that that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, it made sense that he was there. Also, I think of of when Mackenzie Weegar earlier in the summer said that uh, Daryl Sutter and 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 uh, Michael Backlund were having a few matches back and forth. Like that's something that like happens between a captain and 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 a head coach, right? Yep. And I can understand maybe some other star players can get into that too. But like Michael Backlund has meant as much as he's meant to the organization for years. Well, that to say, I can understand him starting the year without a new contract for next year. And they figure that out. Elias Lindholm, Craig Conroy has made that very clear from day one that he's a player that he values. He's a player that is a priority. When Ryan Huska was hired as head coach, one of the things that was mentioned that morning, Ryan Huska spoke to Elias Lindholm. That's a team, at least uh, the way they're projecting it to us, they want to keep him. They yes. want to find a way to keep him in their lineup, and they recognize that if they want to be competitive, at least for this immediate stretch here, they need him in their lineup. But for everyone else, it's a very it's very much a question mark. And, and for Noah Hannifin, <laughs> I think just – I think with that particular situation, you're starting to run out of teams where you can offload them to. I thought Detroit would have made sense. They had all that cap space. Then they acquired Jeff Petrie. Nashville, I think, still could be a possibility. Buffalo, I still think, could be a possibility. But I – this is a player who it's out there that he wants to play in the United States. And I'm of the belief that if that gets to training camp, that's going to be a very fascinating scenario to, to follow.
2: Yeah. And I, I, with Lindholm, like I want to be clear, like, of course they want, Lindholm. Of course like, they do. Like, he makes your team better. He's, he's your first line center. Of all opponent. of their pending UFAs,
1: yeah. the, if there's one guy I think the team would want to keep, and maybe they've changed their minds, but I I, I don't think we'd be in the situation if, they,
2: if no. they felt differently, but they want to keep Lindholm. With that said, the question is at, at what price? Because um, you can only want a, a, a player so badly, and I, I am of the belief that that nine and a half million number that we saw tossed around earlier in the season, to me, that is Absurd. I'm um, I'm not
1: inclined to think that nine and a half is viable. I I think, when you're
2: paying Huberto and Cadre what they are. There's no way. He,
1: I there's no way that's that that there's no way the Flames should be entertaining that. I think. I think ideally you look at the Bo Horvat contract you, you there are some other contract comparables i know uh we at the athletic did earlier in the year with because of Benajad i think is up there as well Dylan Larkin their contracts they're getting aavs around 8.5 8.7 and all that i think if you're able to get Elias home at 8.7 which is what uh, when we turned the numbers through evolving hockey that's what an 8 year deal kind of projects out to that i think is an ideal situation if you're the Calgary Flames but i think if you're starting to get Above nine, if you're the Calgary Flames, I think you have to start walking away. If you're Elias Lindholm, I completely understand why you go to nine, why you go to 9.5. You are literally the domino holding this contention window together. He has all the leverage. He has all the leverage in the world, and okay. he has every right to be asking for nine, 9.5. But I don't think he's going to get nine. Well, and
2: I also think that... Not with I, the Calgary. I am sure, um, you know, if he was looking to leave, if that was sort of his, pri- his preference, and then he was offered that money... I'm sure his agent is saying to him, we might not get this much elsewhere. We might not get this 9.5 number, and that extra million dollars a year might be enough to say, hey, it's it, it's worth it over eight yep. years because that's a lot of money. So yep. um, it's just, I mean, we're, we're in this holding pattern, and we have been, and I don't think that this is a good place right now for for the organization to be. Um, I am a believer that rebuilding is a natural part of the uh, of the sporting process. I think that whether it's the NBA or the NHL, you have to do it at some point. Uh, guess what at some point the Pittsburgh Penguins are not going to have Malkin and Crosby like they're going to have to t- try to draft some 18 year olds yeah and and you want those high end because they've just seen the benefit of 20 years of getting guys in your system who are elite talents and I, I think at some point the Flames are going to have to do that um, but here's my thing with that
1: like I think even if they even if Elias Lindholm says okay I'm not gonna stay trade me somewhere else and even if you look at some of those other pending UFAs that they have and they say, all right, this is the opportunity for us to, to kind of stock up with those pieces, that's still like a like a, like a a retool at best, right? Because you still have Huberdeau on contract. You still have Kadri on contract. You still have Markstrom on contract as well. And at the very least, if you, you got to get them all if, – if you're going to commit to a rebuild, you got to get them all to move. You got to get people who are going to be like, okay, fine. We're going to take all these contracts. You're probably going to have to take them for pennies on the dollar. It's not going to be this like
2: super ideal rebuild. I, I think no but he, i think you have I, I, your first round pick so if you, you can do. bottom out hard enough over the next two years let's be honest the
1: 2025 be... one is also supposed to be kind of up in the air too right and that one of the one of the deals they made over the last few years is it okay that i actually don't have in there's time. there's there's something I, I need to double check on that because the conditions of that particular pick have always confused me and i don't get why it always does but ultimately regardless of that you need to be in a position where you're stocking up as many draft picks as you can yep. as far as i'm concerned all that to say if the flames, because of the contracts that they've signed, I don't think a rebuild is as easy as Craig Conroy just saying, "All right, we're selling off all these assets." It is what it is. Even if you have, even if you sell off those pending UFAs, I still think this team has decent enough players that are going to kind of keep them in that mushy middle and keep them from really bottoming out to where they would really want to be in in an upcoming draft lottery. And I and I get it, a draft lottery, anything could happen, but like you kind of want to be in like where Arizona has been toiling for the last few years. They might not be there this year, but like you're, you're fighting for like top three worst team in the NHL. So you improve your lottery odds. And I don't think this team right away is going to do it. I think the process of, of fully rebuild, re- rebuilding and tearing it down, that's going to take like two, three years to do. That's going to take some time for sure. You're hoping the salary cap goes up. So if you have to move on from a Huberto contract or, or even a weaker contract, more teams have more cap space to accommodate those types of deals or less salary has to be retained in that situation. I don't think a rebuild is something that's going to happen right away. And for all those people who want it, that's going to be very painful to, to, to go through because they're going to be middle and then they're going to bottom. it's going I'm, to be
2: two, three years of them crapping out. I'm sympathetic to the business case against it. Um, whereas, I mean, if you think you can sneak into the playoffs, the playoff revenue right now, if as you're saying, if the difference is going to be you're going to be 11th in the conference versus 8th, Who cares? Go for the playoffs. Like get get it. But if you have a path towards getting a top six pick three years in a row,
1: I do you see that for the Calgary Flames as constructed right now? I don't see that path for them getting a top six pick. I mean, even if they moved on from those pending UFAs again, they still have enough talent. I didn't even mention Rasmus Anderson.
2: Yeah, you're gonna have Raz. Um, obviously Shillington. Like if he were to come back and and not have missed a step, he'll be there. Um, I mean, a, a big part of my issue with with this team, as everyone says that there's no, they have no defensive prospects. As if they didn't trade away Connor Mackey and give away Valamackey for free. I, um, I, I yep, we've, a year had ago many they discussion did, yes. about that. A year and ago the they had the defensive him. prospects, and now they don't, and they gave them away for basically nothing. Basically That's, nothing. Um, so you know, I, I don't have. I, I just think yes, there have been Tree Living made moves to put them in this position where you are right. A, a full on we're tanking we're trying to get LeBron you know like we're trying to get Connor Bernard I don't think that is necessarily possible no not but, immediately um but like what are you doing with Chris Tanev is
1: you know no, I, I agree with that there are pieces like Chris Tanev that like you have to make a decision on it and and see if you can get some assets that at the very least you try to you know be somewhat competitive and then try to restock or cover on the fly I mean Think about the the way the prospects look right now. I mean, I, I really go off of what the athletic does in terms of their prospect rankings, but already in terms of their recent draft class, they've already improved from mm-hmm. the year prior, where they were, I think, much closer to the bottom. But adding guys like a Tim Murray and Samuel Hans, like you already have a better prospect class, like Matthew 100%. Coronado turning him, who's lucky gonna be an NHLer this fall.
2: Like that adds I expect to that him on d- day one to be in the lineup. I
1: think he's a top six right winger yeah. for this team.
2: They did. I mean, I, I I like the job that they did. It's weird, like to be honest, like. You're right, because the real thing that I'm sort of getting at is that they should have, when Kachuk said that they wanted to leave, that should have been the start of the quote-unquote rebuild. I I understand that. That was the opportunity to do it. Um, you deal him away for draft capital, as well as hopefully one or two young players. Like they, sh- In my opinion, they just should have done it last year. Um, and the realis- realistically, Tree Living signed a lot of expensive guys who are going to be in their mid to late 30s by the time their contracts are up so i don't know how much of a market there's going to be for those guys if you do try to offload them and they're a lot of money and teams don't have that much cap space so i i I take your point while also saying also look at the division that they're in you have all all these guys you can't let them go for nothing absolutely and and the thing to do in my opinion is not repeat the same mistakes maybe you are going to get stuck in the mushy middle as you're saying but you have to get younger you have to have yep. draft assets yep. you can't be trading Elias Lindholm for guys who are going to keep Hubert Owen Cadre happy because you get a you remain competitive you have to like there's there, there is a well, reason why but there's I, a
1: way to do both you can get guys who I mean this is not a nice a,
2: job with Foley getting in a young player and, can, and that and
1: that's it I think that's how you do it it's not, that's not a perfect ideal scenario for a lot of people in that situation but like they got a 25 year old who still maybe he has his best years ahead of him. We don't know if he's the player who got like, what, 13 goals last year or the guy who, was in, who got goals in the 20s the year prior. But he's a guy who can get goals in the slot. He's a young enough player. He's played, I think, almost every posit- every forward position. He'll probably end up being a right winger considering the depth there. Or maybe you put Ron Drew there. Who knows? But like... I don't know. I, I, I think if you're putting yourself in a situation where if you have to move on from those guys and you're getting younger assets that are ready to play on a team right now, you're still appeasing that core, right? You're getting younger and you're getting players who can help you now. I think that's Ultimately, I think if you're the Flames, you you kind of want that, right? If you find yourself in a position where you can get younger even younger players who may not be as ready, but they're really good prospects, like a 20,
2: 21-year-old. And younger players with a year or two on their contract so you can actually get a get yeah. a look at them in your system. Absolutely. Um,
1: but like even guys at 23, 24, 25 who are ready to contribute to an HL lineup now, isn't that also an ideal situation? You make the core younger, you have guys on cheaper contracts that help alleviate your cap situation if need be. And Considering where the game is going now, you're seeing younger players make an impact. That's something that Craig Conroy focused on during that press conference that he had. Like, that's ideally what you want if you have to move on from Lindholm, or if you have to move on from some of those other pieces. I don't
2: expect a ton of PTOS uh, for the Calgary Flames in the next couple weeks.
1: I don't. I I would be surprised at that, but I also wonder about that. And I mean, maybe that comes into it with a deal. If a deal does come to fruition, that fourth center spot to me, that if there's going to be a PTO, there would be something there, maybe one. But even then, like. Ideally, you want Connor Zari to to fight for that spot as an example. You want Adam Rosichka to to make a a, you know to make a stand for that role. You bring in a PTO essentially to have a veteran come in and then all the younger guys are like, no, we're gonna push this guy out. It's not great competition
2: internally. That's never really a you
1: don't want a situation like last year where you have like Cody Eakin and Sonny, well, I mean Sonny Milano, maybe they should kept him. I'm not really sure, but that's an interesting question. It's a very interesting Mm -hmm. scenario. But you don't want a situation like last year where you have a bunch of PTOs and like well, no, none of them really stayed. Kevin Rooney wasn't a PTO; he was a UFA signing. But all that to say, it's not going to be like
2: last year. I don't think, but we'll see. I mean, Conroy has made that point. Yeah, to be honest, like he and he said, we're we're getting. You know, I think he said what three spots likely open for young players. What we don't know is is Peltier one of those, or does Peltier sort of already qualify? As, I like, think he's in there.
1: I think Peltier's there. I think Coronado's there. The big questions for me are Dustin Wolf,
2: Connor Zary. Well, Dustin Wolf, as of right now, does not have a spot on the opening day roster.
1: No, but I can imagine a situation where maybe he has a good preseason and has a good camp. And at the very least, you're thinking, OK, is there a discussion to be had about the number two spot? I think essentially if. I don't know. I I I think that's a storyline worth looking at. It's something at I, least to poke around.
2: Hey, at. like this isn't no, no spoilers. That is going to be one of the big stories of camp.
1: Hundred percent.
2: Um, it is. And I think that there's an argument that look, you'd actually rather have Wolf continuing to play AHL games rather than sitting on the bench backing up Markstrom. Um, but I I, I do think at some point in the next year, he has to be an everyday NHLer, maybe not a starter, but he has to be with the big league club and, and facing that speed, facing those shooters in practice every day, doing all of that. You need, like it's time to make the transition.
1: He's still waiver exempt. I think up until I forget the exact rules of that, but it's my understanding. He's still waiver exempt. So they could just send him back and forth without worrying about having to put him on waivers. Yeah. Next season, the season after that might be when they have to start worrying about that. But I know for this coming season, he's still waiver exempt.
2: Um, do you think we get the statements of, I'm not discussing my contract during the season before or after the <laughs> uh, start training camp? <laughs> um, the
1: first op- if
2: you from, What else from, are they going to
1: do? I'm not criticizing them, but just from, the reality. From Lindholm and, and
2: Hannafin, I guess. And Backlund.
1: And back, um uh, Well, I guess the first opportunity we get to talk to them and that is One what they should say that. that is i i said yes. that as
2: if i'm like criticizing no that's what they should say
1: that's absolutely so, what yeah that's absolutely what's going to happen but like i i still have a hard time thinking that all of those remaining pieces are still going to be around i still think before training camp there's going to be some move with I've, i'm i'm more confident that it's going to be hannifin because of the fact that he's a bit younger he's a defenseman uh, I think there are teams out there like Buffalo and Nashville who I think still have the cap space and have that need on defense to make a move happen. And I think if you're the Flames, if you're, as we were talking about earlier, about trying to get younger pieces, trying to get draft picks, those are still places you can make that trade work.
2: I think that the fourth best defenseman on non playoff teams typically should have a really high value placed on them. <laughs> oh <laughs> um, boy okay <laughs> <laughs> um, i don't know if i'm gonna get in trouble for that one uh but like literally like it's the i think hannepin's really good that. it's just it's funny that like he literally like you would have him if you were like last year yeah went healthy rasmus Mackenzie weger and um and kristanov were all more important to what the flames did by the end of the year than hannepin I mean, they were they were the top three. Hanifan was number four. So I, I mean, yeah,
1: I, you're not wrong on that. But at the same time, he's still a very capable, puck mobile defenseman. That I'm not saying he's going to get you an arm and a leg in return. He, at least is going to give you something. Oh, he's good. He's to a be good clear, defenseman. I, yeah,
2: he's a good defenseman. I'm trolling. He is good and was on the top two pairing for like much of the season. and yeah. is, he is not a number four defenseman. I'm fully trolling when I say that. totally for sure. Um, and even
1: if he's a even if he's a second pairing, like for Buffalo, for him to be like a second pairing defenseman on that team when they already have rasmus Dallin and they have Owen Power who's coming up, that's pretty good for them. No kidding. Yeah, if you're in Nashville and you have Roman Yosi, uh, well, uh Matias Echo, like he. No, Matias was in Edmonton. Sorry, like they need a guy who could kind of fill in after they have to let him go.
2: If you're a, if you're a young team and like you can get to be fair, if you're actually if you're a contender and you can get Noah Hannifin to come in, you know he can both do that. That's not bad. He he can play top two. Yep, no problem. If you've got young guys, he's been around. He, he's actually at this point a veteran, which is wild for a guy his age. And if you're a, if you're a team that has ambitions of winning a Stanley Cup. You also know that he can play many different roles. Um and, and he's not gonna make mistakes. He's he's not a he's he's reliable. And I yeah. think that that is I think the people who talk about him as being the super high end, like, oh, he can power play like I'm like, no, nah, I don't think he's he's that great at that stuff. I don't think, you know, even when he pinches, I don't I don't always love it. But like he's reliable, doesn't make mistakes, is good with the puck, can skate. He has everything you want. Um, so I, I do think he's an asset. And I'm I'm sort of covering my my butt here a little bit because I made a joke. Um Now that I don't drink, I make all these jokes on air instead of at the bar. Uh, Oh, no,
1: dude, I've I've been there, man. You start, like, watching what you're saying. You get haunted by – like, like this week, like, when the Austin Matthews signing happened, like, I thought of something I said earlier in the summer. I was like, oh, I think Austin Matthews is going to start the season without a contract. And, like, the very first thing I thought of when, like, he put up that tweet was like, crap,
2: I'm going to be wrong. People are going to find it and make me look like an idiot. I get it. Man, that's a lot of money for one player. The cap's got to go up. The cap's got to go time. up,
1: but also like he's he's a top ten player in the league.
2: Like, 100%. Are,
1: are you not going to pay him? Are you like, what are you going to do? Like, I, when people are like, man, like, there's a lot of money for this player. What are you going to do? Just not pay him? Just pay him like two million and let him move? Like, no, he's he's a player in a in a much more perfect scenario. Austin Matthews, he should be making like thirty million a year.
2: In another sport. In another sport, yeah. he
1: makes as much. Uh, he makes as much as Austin Reeves and grant williams i've seen you do this yeah like like austin reeves (laughs) who had that meme with lebron where lebron's trying to explain himself that he's just like i don't know grant williams had that game against cleveland where he's like oh i'll make both free throws at yet he missed both
2: he makes as much as two beams and it was either 2018 or 19 I, i was in boston for a ufc event yeah and west was like yo if the Celtics are practicing and you have time, can you pop out to the Celtics practice facility and just talk to Jason Tatum about Matthew Kachuk? Yeah, that story. Um, And it's very funny because it came out, like it became a big national news story this year. Thank you, Jermaine Franklin, for acknowledging that I was the first to get that story. Uh, But I did go out, talk to Tatum, came back and was talking to Kachuk about it. Um, My last question, was like, do you guys like hang out? He just looks, he was like, I don't make enough money to hang out with NBA players, man. And at this point, he's making like seven million. And I, it was the moment where I was like, Oh, Matthew Kachuk, he understands the business, yeah, he gets it. And that's
1: why, like, there's a part of me that feels that him being traded from Calgary is for the best. Kachuk, yes. Absolutely. For I don't I don't think he gets the exposure he gets uh as as he's gotten with the Florida Panthers if he stayed in Calgary. No, it's good for the league that
2: he's in. It's amazing Florida. for the league that he's there. Well, it's good that he's out of Calgary. It's good that he's in Florida. Yeah, It's good that he's succeeding in Florida. I don't know what it's gonna be like for if him they don't have year. him doing one of those ten essentials videos on GQ. That's a like, dude I
1: would I would watch a GQ video with him doing that. he's the I guy to that. do
2: it with. He's interesting yeah. enough, like he's he's social enough, he's Funny enough. Um, he's a guy I would do, do the 10 essentials with him. Uh instead it'll just be Austin Matthews again. Um well, he's not
1: that I don't know. Like Austin, I guess he kind of dresses cool. He looks like one of those like pretentious, cool dudes wearing dad hats and whatever, like who does like super cool rich stuff. But like he doesn't come across as a dude who like I want to necessarily like hear from. I don't know. Matthew truck at least like he comes across as a little bit more endearing. Like I remember like talking to him for that story. Do you think like, that his cool. 10
2: essentials like like what? I mean, I don't think I have a good ten essentials. Like, I don't think that if I was featured in one of those, I don't think anyone would want to watch it. Because, like, my ten essentials are like my thirty-five-dollar plastic glasses from that I can't see without. It'd be my my (laughs) thirty-dollar Uniqlo glasses uh it's you gotta got be some kind of i'm wearing a plain white t-shirt i was about uh, to say like i'm trying to look at the
1: fit like you got the white shirt you got the, well, this the... Is now
2: that i don't drink i can fit into these pants again so yeah like, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, what, oh, what's yeah. the brand what's the brand these are levi's they are the uh like this these are such old pants but they had like a steve mcqueen collaboration okay yeah. that i bought um
1: but yeah it, matthew kachuk's 10 essentials like he needs like they'd be cool like it, i'm sure some kind of really expensive polo um i'm
2: sure some cool running shoes i bet he's got sea salt spray which is what curly haired (laughs) men use to keep their hair in place myself included i don't have curly hair right now can i also before we go just point out uh so i got my haircut yesterday yeah i was about to say it looks really good thank you but i don't know if you can see it on screen but um my stylist was like here i'm gonna fix up your beard
1: yeah no Um, i saw i
2: noticed that too i like it's like the firmest line and then brought my mustache down and i met up with brad last time we went to a, a little concert yeah. and he said that i were that i looked like late period tony stark yes like- yes you do
1: the whole time i was i'm looking at you i'm just like why does this dude look like tony stark well, i was
2: there at this like
1: why, at this short- why is this like why am i doing a podcast with iron man the whole time billionaire like, philanthropist like, why is tony
2: stark here I, I know. I give off those Robert Downey Jr. vibes. I mean,
1: you kind of do. I feel like if you really want to, you can be starky enough where you could you could do that. And I don't know if I'm Man, blowing I, up your ego too much. To I
2: think that, that means a lot to me. As you know, I, I, I think comic books are for dorks. Which is ironic so... because you think comic books are for <laughs> dorks. But – I know. I just look read. at you.
1: You look like Tony Stark. The thing you run from is the thing you become the does most. Does Iron Man
2: do something? Like, does he, I don't know, does he have a like a symbol? Like a, no. No. Okay. It's for the best that he doesn't have that. <laughs> right. Um, I'm gonna read our, our ad read one more time. Um uh, <laughs> let That's you go Yeah. I guess you're brought to you by Ski Stellar S- Ski Seller Snowboard, ski snowboard.com. They've been around in Calgary since 1946. That is 76 years. They got three locations. Opening August 29th on the Cloud Trail Chinook Center, 17th Avenue, just off 14th Street, and Bow Ridge Road Northwest by the McDonald's, sort of right across from WinSport. Um, they also have their Labor Day sale going on, August 29th to September 4th. Um, you know, it's not just skis and snowboards. They got lots of stuff to keep you warm and dry. Anyway, it's great time, great deal, great gear. Thank you to Ski Seller Snowboard for checking us out or Dang. for sponsoring us, man. I so appreciate you coming on. You're hey, on thanks for having me, man. Thanks for having yeah. me. Yeah, this is the best. As I said, lit not little to no prep. I like. No, I said to, to you. I thought you at slow pitch. I was like, "Want to come on?" You're yeah. like, "Yeah." I was like, "Cool. We'll just talk about yeah, whatever." About yeah, we spent like 15 minutes talking about our slow pitch team. Went great. Um, I at some point I feel like I insulted like eight different flames completely by accident. Had to retract all of them. Uh, didn't mean any of it. but yeah you're the best buddy thank you so much for coming on
1: thanks so much for having me guys
2: cheers guys thank you so much for watching